You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today we are joined by former corporate hustler turned multi six-figure online business owner, Sarah Swain. After Sarah kicked her nine to five to the curb with no backup plan, she started her business with nothing more than a free Facebook group and a truckload of belief. Now the CEO and creator of two online media businesses, The Great Canadian Woman and Entreflix, a published author and podcast host, Sarah is a big believer that change is indeed the catalyst for growth. She believes deeply that we all have the power to create our own economy, and she helps women start businesses online because she's convinced that people deserve to earn money doing what they love. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love the topic of change, so I'm super excited to dive into this with you. Oh, 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 me too, because there is just so many parts of your stories that are just kind of like mic drop moments, and you're like, (laughs) what? One person can go through multiple of these huge shifts. And so we're going to scratch the surface soon. But before we do, I want to kind of rewind it back to January, even a bit before where Mm -hmm. I was in communication with you and kicking off the 365 Days of Clarity Challenge, which is a challenge we started at the beginning of the year to really help people make 2020 their best year yet. And for any listeners who aren't familiar with the challenge, each month we have a guest expert lead daily quests based on their zone of genius. And Sarah was actually our expert for February on the theme of courage and is back for a guest appearance this month to share her perspective on pivoting, which is the theme for May. Uh And I mean, as we are all feeling during this crisis that we're living through, pivoting is, you know, has never been more essential. Uh So despite being in a pandemic, which has really forced a lot of us out of our old ways, you are no stranger to change and pivoting (laughs) and taking quantum leaps forward. Mm -hmm. So yes, the the world has changed. The consumer landscape is quickly evolving, but does this kind of feel like business as usual for you? Yes. Short answer. (laughs) Yes. And it's, it's, it's funny you ask that because I, for a while, as we were moving through this, I I thought maybe I was missing something because Mm. I felt like it should have been, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I felt like I'm like, this just, this should be monumental. This should be, uh, you know, super stressful and this should be a lot of, uh, you know, moving parts. And it's not to say that it, it, there weren't, it's not to say there wasn't a lot of change and a lot of, uh, gears that needed to be shifted. But I think because of my relationship with change and the fact that change is probably the most constant thing in my life. Uh, this kind of just felt like, here we go, we're changing things and that's just what we do here. Yeah, I feel like you've been preparing your whole life for this (laughs) pandemic. Yeah, the introvert that loves change, I am made for this. Yeah, okay, so let's go back to the final days of corporate Sarah, Mm -hmm. who's on leave from burnout, Mm -hmm. who decided she was not going back and committed so fully to that decision that she gave away all of her clothes. <laughs> I, I, I hear that coming out of someone else's mouth. I'm like, that's kind of crazy, eh? Right. So what was that pivot like from the nine to five that, I mean, probably more like nine to midnight yes. uh, to full-time entrepreneurship? 
Oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, I underestimated it in a huge way. I think that uh, I had probably fallen into the, the spectrum of people who see the glitz and glam of running businesses online and uh, you know, the, the idea of creating your own lifestyle and, and, you know, dictating your own income and how much money you're going to make and the impact you want to make. I mean, it looks so beautiful and polished and shiny from the outside looking in. So I thought, you know, when I left my, uh, you know, quote unquote, stressful job that I've maybe put 50, 60 hours of work into, um, that I'd be taking a walk in easy street, choosing the path of entrepreneurship. There was still a part of me though, that knew better. And it was the part of me that said, Sarah, you got to give away all your clothes. Cause you know, this is going to get hard real fast and you're going to want to run back to safety. And I wait, listened, can, I wait, listened. Wait, wait. Can, we part, can we take it right there? Because you said so matter of factly, like, so obviously I just had to get rid of all my clothes. That's what I had to do. Well, here, here, here's the thought that went through my mind. Okay. okay I'll, 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 I'll back it up. Just that what I thought was like, okay, I'm going to get scared. And listen, if I want to go back and, and run back to my boss and kiss his feet and beg for my job back, I'm going to have to do it naked. And if that is the only other option I have other than leaning in and doing the work and figuring out how to make this happen, then I'm going to choose to lean in and figure out how to make this happen instead of going back and asking for my job back with no clothes on. That was where my head was at. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> It worked. It worked. Right. Okay. So if you could go back to startup Sarah mm -hmm. and give her one piece of advice, knowing now that, you know, it's not quite this walk in the park as you perhaps expected it would be in mm. comparison to the corporate, like, I don't want to say struggle, but I mean, the reality that comes yeah. corporate, right? Like, what would that advice be? Be kind to myself in the process. Mm. I think that going into it and it, you know, it, it is part of my nature to sink my teeth into stuff. I love a good challenge. Um, I love to stretch my own limits. I love to see how far I can push my own boundaries and in healthy, productive, forward moving ways, not in, not in the other type of boundary pushing way. Right. Um, with that though, when, when I think as a, as a, as a person with those characteristics, there's a shadow side to that. Uh, which can mean that I sometimes push too hard. And if, if things aren't uh, necessarily turning out the way that I thought they would, or as quick as I thought they would, then that meant that I would crank up the dial and work harder and push harder and sleep less and <laughs> spend more hours in the office trying to make it happen. And, you know, I, I don't regret any of it because it has, you know, it all has added up to where I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. But I, I think about poor Sarah back in startup and, and what I put myself through. Um, I would definitely say, girl, like go a little easier on yourself. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Just keep trusting yourself mm -hmm. uh, and maybe not push so dang hard and, and be so hard on myself during those first few months. That's probably the one thing I'd give myself a little bit of a pep talk for if I could go back. So interesting because I'm seeing that as a trend even now and not just for business owners, but for leaders as well, mm -hmm. who are quite honestly beating themselves up over the fact that they don't have the answers and who are going through a very similar thought process in that I have to work harder. I have to sleep less. I have to crack this nut and figure out how we're going to get out of this. Yeah. So what is, you know, what could you share with those people who resonate with 
jumping on the grind to just feel like it's the, as, as feeling it's, it's the only way to, to navigate, to tread and really stay above water during this time, this weird, weird time of crisis. Weird, weird time is a good way to put it for sure. Uh, I, I empathize with these leaders so much because I totally understand why they want to do it. Mm-hmm. I totally understand the feeling of knowing that you can help and maybe not really quite sure understanding exactly what the heck that is supposed to look like. So I think a lot of leaders will make work (laughs) and find ways to be productive, to make themselves feel like they're doing something to help. I get that. Like I get that so much. (laughs) That was me early weeks of lockdown. I just went into overdrive without even a strategy and just what is the most work I could do with the most value I could crank out with absolutely no clue what the direction is going to be. Yeah. Just like pedal to the metal, right? It's like go all in. And and I I was the same. Like all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, my entire market has just shifted. (laughs) I guess that means I got to go, you know, go all in. Right. I think the biggest thing that has helped me the most is challenging myself to do the opposite of what my instinct is. And that comes with having a certain level of self-awareness to be able to recognize my, my go-to behaviors <laughs> and, uh, and call myself out saying, you know, is this actually going to be the most productive use of your time? Is this actually going to move the needle forward for yourself? Is this actually going to position you for what needs to come later? Is this actually going to be what your market needs? Is this actually the service that people need? So allowing myself to hit a pause button um, has been really, really beneficial, even if it's just a pause for a day. Um, you know, for, for some, it could just be before I send this email, let me just pause and see if this is how I want to respond or, or if this is the position I want to take, uh, for others, it could be, you know, maybe having to completely redesign a a launch plan or a sales strategy that was supposed to hit the market right after this happened, which is going to take time to reassess, Mm -hmm. but having the, the courage to say, it's okay. If I don't do a thing today, (laughs) it's, it's okay. If I'm not productive in, in society's definition of productive today, because I think the pause is the most productive thing that we can do when we're unsure of the direction that we should be going. Because I, in that, in that pause, we, we can think, <laughs> we can really observe. And I think observation skills right now are one of the most valuable qualities any business owner or leader could have right now because it allows us to really see what's happening in our market and get a better understanding of what it is that people actually need instead of us, you know, flying down the highway Mach 5 thinking that we know what they need and potentially running ourselves into a brick wall in the process. Mhm. And I really really appreciate your perspective on hitting pause because What I've seen a lot and what I'm hearing a lot is the idea of hitting the reset button. Mm -hmm. And, and I think people are flipping the switch and completely willing to chuck out what they were doing because they are afraid and Mm -hmm. they feel like everything needs to change. But if we just take a minute and pause, I'm finding for myself anyway, that there's a lot of what I built that can actually be iterated upon as opposed to needing to start from scratch. Exactly. 
And that's, that's exactly what I've been finding in my own business. It's, I mean, 2020 clarity, you, you called that one out when you, uh, <laughs> when you, when you and I were chatting last fall about the vision of 2020 and clarity and all these things. I mean that if, if we are open to seeing, that's exactly what has landed on our lap is a lot of clarity. Mm-hmm. And if, if leaders can allow themselves to just see things objectively um, with what is already in existence within their business or organization, whatever it is they're running or in charge of and understand exactly, is there an iteration of this that we can shift or pivot into because there's so much value in something that's already in existence and maybe it just needs to be positioned differently in order to help the market see that this is a need. And I described it this way to my own clients a couple of weeks ago who are all going through the same thing of, of understanding what this means for their own businesses. And the way that I describe it is it's, you know, the old school radios when you have to eat a little dial <laughs> to, to get your radio station. We can't just, you know, press a, couldn't just press a button on iTunes to get the song that we wanted. We had to dial in a radio station, <laughs> little, little dials on it. And if you go a little bit too, too far to the right, it'll get staticky uh, again. And if you go a little bit too far to the left, it'll get staticky, but somewhere in the middle, there's some clarity there. And it's, that's what we're doing in our businesses right now. It's like a little this way. Nope, that's not quite it. A little bit that way. Nope, that's not quite it. And just being so open to that process of getting that clarity and understanding that that thing that people actually really, really need. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can allow ourselves to be open to that discovery process, um, I think that more leaders would be better positioned to be able to serve as opposed to uh, you know throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I totally agree. And I think it's important to mention that it's not just in what we can do to serve our customers, but it's a good opportunity to reassess what can we do to serve ourselves as the one steering the ship because, and you know, I'll speak for myself. This is a trap that I fell into early days in starting my business was I became what my customers needed me to be. Mm -hmm. I adapted and shape shifted into the type of coach and consultant that I saw the, you know, what I thought was my target audience mm-hmm. and their needs and kind of just adapted my services and the way that I showed up according to the demand and eventually found myself so far from the target that genuinely brought me happiness Yes, that I know. And I, and I acknowledge this well before COVID, but it really did give me the opportunity to, like you said, hit that pause button and say, okay, what do I need to change? Not only to best serve them, mm-hmm. but that's how I can be, you know, leveraging my business to self-serve and to fill my own cup. I could not relate more to that. Mm because I, I absolutely have experienced the same. It's almost like getting trapped in a brand, right? And it's a brand that you created. It's a brand that you love. It's something that you've built. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> How did I get here? What happened? Right? <laughs> um, no, I, to- I totally get what you're saying. And I think that all of this has, has shown such a, like a polarizing contrast immediately to what feels good and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. I think this is where a lot of, a lot of business owners and leaders are struggling uh, right now is, is that exact realization that maybe things that they have created or in organizations where initiatives that someone has produced and, and, and led and, and been in charge of don't actually feel good or an offering that's been creative doesn't actually feel good or uh, you know, the type of client a person's working with doesn't actually feel good. 
instead of, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I've done this wrong, or how did I let this happen? If we can look at this clarity as a super huge gift, we can allow the changes, this is going to sound so corny, the changes that we make to literally be the catalyst for where we need to go going forward, which is exactly what your podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) There's my little plug. But it's, it's true, right? If we're like, oh, that's why that area of my business was feeling like a ball and chain. <laughs> what do I get to do about that now? If we can ask ourselves, okay, well, what does this mean? And what are my options? And what can I do about this moving forward? Or how can I solve this? We put the power back in our hands to be able to do something about it. And I think that that's so important for all leaders to know right now is that even when the world around us feels out of control and and it feels as though control and power are, are being taken. um, It's entirely not the truth. It's just, we got to start asking ourselves different questions, I think, and allow ourselves to see things under a very objective lens. And I, I talk about objectivity in business frequently because especially when there are so, so many things right now that absolutely have the ability to fuel emotions Um, That can be a dangerous landscape for business owners to step into um, is to start allowing those emotions to take the lead and make the decisions for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we can allow ourselves to remain in that position of of just observing and and almost like if you could visualize yourself almost like hovering up above your own business, bird's eye view, and just look, looking down at yourself, at your desk, wherever it is that you do business and just observing and just being so super objective and what makes sense right now what's working? What's not working? What don't you like doing? You know, all these questions that we can ask, we can get so many answers. And I think that's been the most exciting aspect of all of this for me as it pertains to the businesses that I run because of the amount of answers I've got out of all of this, that this situation has made me pause and really look at things and identify stuff that wasn't working, things that just didn't feel good, but out of maybe obligation for whatever reason, I was still carrying stuff along with me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, feeling like I failed in some way and like, why did I do that? Why did I let this go on? Or how did I create this and not end up liking it? I've stepped into a massive place of gratitude and be like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to see this because now I can change it. Mm, Okay. There's so much to unpack with what you just said. I want to start with Oh, courage and having the courage to a step out and reflect and B having the courage to recognize when things are no longer working the way you thought they would and being brave enough to say, okay, I'm going to do something differently, which I think knowing you a little bit, I feel like you can sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong, almost take those situations for granted because it is so ingrained in your DNA to just, you know, assess, step back, pivot, let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, let's go back to what you, what you mentioned about if, you know, if you can give startup Sarah advice in being kind to yourself at this stage where you are continually required to, to pivot, not just in crisis, but I mean, really as someone who's growing incredible global brands, do you still have to practice that sense of kindness, even if it feels a little easier for you to lean in? Oh, absolutely. I think that compassion for yourself as a leader in any capacity is something that always needs to be with you. Mm. 
because it's not that things get easier. It's just that you get better at it. Um, so there's still that emotional aspect that's very much there. It's just, I think that the more you do it, the more resilience you build and therefore the easier it is to get through it, but that doesn't always necessarily make it emotionally easier. Right. Um, when it comes to your question around having the courage to make decisions, I think the biggest aspect of courage that serves me as a leader and as a business owner is having the courage to confront my ego. Mm. And it's not, you know, for me, courage isn't, oh, I'm going to, you know, put myself out there in, in, in ways that I, I've never done before. Cause that, that's not actually scary for me to do. And if it's not scary for me to do, then it probably doesn't require a whole lot of courage for me to do it. Mm-hmm. So where courage really comes into play for me is understanding my intention behind things or understanding why I'm doing things or not doing things. And when it comes to making decisions, especially when it comes to being a business owner and, and, you know, caring and serving a market and fulfilling needs that this market has, it's the courage to set aside the ego in order to be of service to the people that need you. And I think that that is where it becomes easier for me to make decisions, if this makes sense, Mm -hmm. because I recognize that this literally has nothing to do with me, even though my ego might think it does. My ego mind might pop up and say, Hey, people might think this is weird or people might have something to say about this, or people might not like your positioning on this, or people might think this is wrong. Um, you know, those are the decisions that take the courage because I have to ask myself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for some sort of clout? Am I doing this for some sort of recognition or am I doing this because this is genuinely what my markets need or what my clients need? Um, I think that that's where courage serves me the most is to allow myself to take big leaps often because it's the right thing to do for the people that need my help, even though um, there might be underlying fears of uh, what people think, what if it doesn't work, what if I embarrass myself, uh, you know, what if I pitch this and it, you know, I just get tumbleweeds and crickets in the background, uh, what if I air this podcast and people like fundamentally disagree with my positioning on something, <laughs> uh, I have to remember why I'm showing up. Right. And have the courage to allow that to take the lead. It's like I'm I'm showing up for the people that that need the message or that need the service or that need the help. So in those moments of fear and perhaps self-doubt or negative self-talk, mm-hmm. how do you integrate kindness as part of that inner dialogue? The thing that I've been saying to myself the most, especially over the last couple of months, of, of as there has been so many changes and shifts is that it's okay if this is the wrong decision to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I okay. love that. It's okay. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? It's just the wrong decision to make. And now I know that doesn't work and that's okay. But what I think is unkind to do to myself is not trust myself to make a decision. I Oof, think that if stumps. I'm... <laughs> oh, you just gave them to me too. They're contagious. <laughs> I think it's unkind for a person to not trust themselves 
to move forward, to lead, to decide, because when we don't trust ourselves to do those things, we're subconsciously wiring ourselves to believe that we're not capable of it. Mm-hmm. And that just breeds a whole lot of other issues down the road when you're not actively combating those, those negative beliefs or those limiting beliefs of self-doubt. So yeah, the, on repeat, it's, it's all, all I've been saying to myself for weeks now, it's, it's okay if this is the wrong decision to make. You'll find out eventually, and it's okay. Um, so that has taken a lot of the fear out of the equation of, is this the right move for my business? Is this the right move for my clients? Is this the right move for where I want to go and how I want to feel? I don't know. And I'm not going to know until I do it. Um, so I, I have to completely surrender to the fact that it might not be the right call to make. And that's totally okay. <laughs> Instead of beating myself up for, oh God, you know, you, you did the wrong thing and you should have known better. Um, that's just not the route I'm choosing to take for the sole purpose of being super kind and compassionate with myself as I navigate this with my own businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think what is a, a really beautiful silver lining is that because this is a global shift and everyone is experiencing it on some level, there's almost this permission to Mm -hmm. try new things and to show up differently and to test messaging and product and services and the way that we're just connecting as humans. Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because what a time to be able to really try things out. I think that there's also a wider appreciation and acceptance right now from the general public of people stepping out and being courageous and doing things that maybe they didn't have the courage to do before all of this. And people are really respecting that in people. Um, So it's a beautiful time to try new things. I think all the time is a beautiful time to try new things, but especially now because there's there's more problems that exist. And if there's more problems that exist, that means that more solutions are needed and we need more people creating solutions. So if you have a solution, then I encourage, uh, you know, people listening right now to really step out and just give it a try because there's people out there that need your help. Big time. I think that's a really important message. And more than ever, people are also looking to shop local and support their neighbors and support their peers and their friends and their family who are finally feeling like they can step out into trying new things. Even if that is based entirely on necessity, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's maybe they absolutely weren't ready, but now they're thinking, well, heck, what have I got to lose? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why not just try? Yeah. Okay. So before um, things got, I think, as serious as they are now. We've been in lockdown for several weeks, but when things first started getting a little heavier and lockdown either first began or it was right before rules started to tighten up a little bit, you and I had a conversation about selling. And mm-hmm. at the time, you and along with several other leaders and leading companies were really passionate about the fact that it was not the time to sell. Yep. But in following your work recently and seeing new service offerings, you know, come to the surface, you have an entirely new business that you've grown in this, yeah. <laughs> this time of, of crisis. What has changed for you? Oh my gosh. When we talk about clarity, it was 
me realizing that my entire market had shifted before I even knew it had shifted. Mm. And even though I could find a way to say that, yeah, no, people need my services right now. People need this. People need, as a business coach, people need to know how to, how to build their business. People need other sources of income. I could, I could have absolutely found a way to justify that. The reality was that as so many people were settling into whatever the heck we were settling into at the time, people's priorities were shifting. People's needs were shifting. The thoughts that were going through their head are shifting. The things keeping them up at night are shifting. The way that people are feeling, um, their emotions are shifting. And when it comes to selling, if we are not totally connected to what's going on with our market, how are they feeling? What are they thinking? What are their, what are their pain points right now that I can help them solve? Um, what are their priorities right now? What's really important to them right now? We can't sell if we don't, if we don't know those things about our market. And when this all happened, this landed on the final early bird week of the Great Canadian Women's Summit ticket sales, which should have been the largest uh, week of sales for the event. And we started to gain traction and it was like a cliff. We started to go up, 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 sales coming in, sales coming in, bang, nothing. Mm -hmm. What the heck happened? And all of a sudden the market had shifted and people were not buying for the sole purpose of understanding what did their life need from them right now? Mm-hmm. What was changing for them? Now, were they going to have a job? Or like, is the government going to help them? There's so many things that changed. So that was when the idea of the pause came in because sure, I could have, you know, gone guns blazing. So you all need to get in my mastermind right now. Y'all need to know how to figure out how to create a business <laughs> so that you don't have to worry about this stuff. Um, but without me understanding what the heck it actually even was that they needed, And the problems that they were now faced with now that weren't in existence before, the new priorities that people were facing that they weren't facing before. I mean, even just something as simple as kids being home. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, parents are being business owners or uh, working from home and homeschooling their kids and entertaining their kids because they can't go to their friend's house, all these things like People on a cellular level at <laughs> their entire lives change. And at that time, while we were all settling, it made zero sense for me to try and sell or, or anyone to try and sell for that standpoint because we didn't know what happened to our market. We hadn't had the time to process what had shifted for them. So fast forward to uh, you know, a few weeks in and thinking, what the heck do people need right now? What do people need? Understanding what they're up against, understanding what the heck is now happening with the economy on top of the health crisis. And that's what made me start to realize that there's things in my business that just don't make sense at all. There's other things that I could absolutely leverage and uh, put some iterations in place to make it highly relevant And there's other things that I can create to start filling the needs now that I understand more about what's happened to my market after the dust has settled. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that the pause was powerful and needed. What I don't 
like about what's happened is that I think a lot of business owners took the pause as a full stop and stopped selling altogether as opposed to giving themselves the time to regroup and understand what has shifted in their markets. And the way that I described, I made an Instagram post about this, the way that I described what happened to my market was if you could put like a little box on a, on a slider and on the left-hand side, your box, that's your market on the right-hand side. That's not your market. That was pre COVID. That's my market. That's not my market. I knew who I was talking to. (laughs) I knew how to talk to them. I knew how to help them understand that I could solve the problem that they're experiencing. Then this happened. If we slid that market over, it means that people that were in our market, no longer in our market, their Mm -hmm. needs, priorities, feelings, thoughts have shifted too much and they're not our market anymore. But because it slid, it picked up a whole bunch of other people who are all of a sudden in need of what we offer. So it's like it slid. It didn't go away. And I think that there's businesses and and business owners out there that believe that their market disappeared as opposed to understanding that it just shifted. People fell out. They're not in your market anymore. Don't worry about your content resonating with them but there's also new people in. There's also people that are still there that are looking at you saying, is this okay? <laughs> Can I come into this space? How, I need some help. Are you still here to help me? So I think that when we think about all the people out there who need these services, who need the products that businesses are creating, and all of a sudden, if, if the business stops and then doesn't take that time to understand what people need, now the people are still experiencing the problems that they have with no one there to help them through it. I love that you brought that up because I'm seeing this even observing your business journey. Whereas pre-COVID, you probably were in the the box or the bucket of not someone's audience. And now because this has given you reason to pause, because you've reassessed everything, you've made the conscious decision to invest in your business coaching, Mm -hmm. in your personal development, in growing your team and marketing. Mm -hmm. And you're now in someone's slide over bucket of, Hey, I'm ready to spend now. And I'm ready to double down in the areas that are going to take my business to the next level. So we're seeing that with even you through the perspective of a consumer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, I made this point too, because uh, you know, there, there's so much circulating out there about people have their opinions on whether or not it's, it's time to sell or not. I fully believe if you have done your research and understand the needs of your market, you need to be selling. It's mm-hmm. your responsibility to be selling. If you have the solution to someone's problem, <laughs> you got to help them. And that requires a transaction taking place. Um, but I, I proved this to my market using my own self as a consumer. I say, you want to know how I know people are still buying because I've never invested this heavily in my own business right now. Mm-hmm. Um, hiring a videographer, investing in more marketing, um, investing in a coach, uh, doubling down on uh, stuff that I had some of the people working for me, contractors doing um, to take more stuff off my plate so I could focus on more potent, specific things in my business and not be distracted by other things. So I think it's a matter of business owners being ridiculously courageous right now to continue to sell, knowing that not everyone's going to agree with it. Um, but also understanding that you, you can help somebody. And I think about the people who have come into my space as paying clients in the last six to eight weeks when, when this has all been happening. Um, 
the amount that they have been able to troubleshoot now through issues that they were having uh, to get themselves out of blocking themselves from income in their own businesses. If I hadn't of understood what was happening in the market and what they needed from me, I wouldn't have been able to show up with that service, sell it to them, get the help, get, get them the help that they need so that they can go out and start selling and bring more money into their household and business. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. been a very cool experience seeing it from both sides as, as myself, as the consumer, but also the one who is doing the selling. Um, but I think that there's so many people out there right now that are holding back. They are still month, literally months later now <laughs> in the position where I don't want to sell my stuff because I'm scared of what people think and mm-hmm. what I can offer to that group of people. If, if anyone is listening and they're in this experience right now is understanding that your market, the people who need the solution to what you have, they are there to listen and to hear and to absorb your content. That's who you're showing up for. Mm-hmm. We're not showing up to try and appease our social media feeds. And I think that if we can understand the difference between our target market on our feeds and our social media feeds as a whole, we can step into another level of courage to really start putting ourselves out there. Because if we don't, and we try to create content or post stuff that's going to make everybody feel as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. The people that actually need the thing that you have aren't going to know that you have the thing that they need. <laughs> Try saying that three times. I don't think I can repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so powerful. Once, once you're like, oh, I actually, when, I, when I'm making this post for my business or my service, I actually, I'm not making it for them. But maybe that is the first person that you're thinking of, oh, my God, I, I know what their position is on this. And I don't want them to think that I'm this or whatever. The moment you realize, they're like, oh, they're not my market. They're not my market. It doesn't matter. That's not who I'm showing up for. It becomes a whole lot easier to start being very, very direct in who you're here to help. Yeah. One of the things I found really, really helpful was is a technique I used when I first started my business and have used it ever since. I had a goal my first year to earn 100K. And I had this thermometer that I drew. It's disgraceful, but it was a thermometer nonetheless. And it had 100K at the very top. And my goal was simply to hit my financial target. And so my strategies were very much aligned with profitability, with product launches, with services, and which would get me to that number. And I kept falling flat. Mm. I kept missing the mark in connecting with my target audience and ultimately decided, you know what, something needs to change here. And when I changed the dollar figure for a little stick figure and said, you know what, I'm going to put the monetary goal aside and instead I'm going to focus on impacting the lives of 100,000 people. Mm. My My strategy completely shifted. My approach shifted the way that I brought myself to market and message mm-hmm. different. You know, everything was different about the way that I was showing up and really engaging with my audience. And it eliminated a lot of that fear because it wasn't about, will they like me? Will they buy? It right. was about, will they find value? And if the answer is yes, I'm doing them a huge disservice by not showing up for them. Bingo. 
And it also, when, when you can understand the people aspect of the service that you're providing, it allows you to start asking those questions. What, what do they need? What are they thinking? How are they feeling? What are they experiencing? What are they prioritizing? If we only look at it as a dollar figure, and don't get me wrong, I love money. I could talk about earning money until the cows come home. I think everyone deserves to earn as much freaking money as humanly possible. <laughs> but when it comes to the dollar versus the human, <laughs> um, just the dollar alone can dehumanize the process of business and the art of selling, mm-hmm. which involves a deep understanding of who you're actually selling to. So it's no doubt in my mind that as soon as you made that shift, um, things started to tilt in your favor. Yeah. And not only favorably, but it allowed me to sell with more ease because mm-hmm. it wasn't just a program. It wasn't just a headcount or yeah. subscription. It was lives changed. It was yeah. people impacted. And I became a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. with what I was putting out, with how I was selling, because I, I genuinely wholeheartedly in my bones believe that this is going to be something that'll move the needle for them. Yeah. It's, it's the idea of belief and, and conviction. I use the word conviction a lot in my business because I think that if people are having a hard time selling, you're sure there's the stigma of selling right now. And, and I think that's something I, I challenged people to work through and understand what that looks like in their business. But there's the other element of selling that was all, like there was an issue before COVID happened. People have an issue around selling, period. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's more indicative of not being in 100% absolute belief and conviction that what you're offering is going to help the person. Mm-hmm. Because if you did believe it to that level, you wouldn't be able to stop selling it. Because you would see the magnitude of growth the person has, depending on whatever the context of your business is, the way that that person was able to move forward through fill in the blank because of what you created. You can't tell me that if you believed in something that deeply that you would feel icky selling it, right? So I think that there's, you know, with the ick of selling in general, even outside of COVID, if there's that icky feeling of, oh gosh, selling feels icky to me, Um, I I challenge everyone to step into a deeper sense of belief about uh, themselves as the person creating the container and the thing that they have created in order to help the person. So it's, it's not always about, oh, I have a hard time selling. Sometimes it's, well, how do you increase your belief in what you're doing so that selling becomes something that is exciting in your business? And this is what I'm seeing a lot with corporate clients and peers that are in the corporate space is that they're having a hard time selling because they're selling something they realize they do not back. Yeah. They do not support or see value in and sure once upon a time provided a really cushy income, mm-hmm. but that in a time where we are in crisis and really needing to provide services that service a, a painkiller to the pain points our audience has. Mm-hmm. Yes. If we, if we do not believe that this is actually going to genuinely alleviate their pain, it's a really hard time to sell, to, to ethically sell. Yes. Yeah. Because why, why are you selling it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 If, just why are you selling it? 
And listen, if, if, if you're selling something because you need to make more money, cool, make more money. But there's, there's gotta be a, an absolute sense of belief that what you're selling is going to help person solve the issue. Even if it's a product, there's so many products out there that help people solve so many problems. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that it'll help them, then it, in theory, it should be easy to sell it. Right. But again, it's, it's understanding like what is actually shifted in your market and really tailoring your content to the people who are there in it now, um, instead of maybe trying to chase people who have fallen out of the market, who, who may have been the market prior to all of this happening is getting an understanding of who is facing you now, who is looking to you for help now and being relentless in delivering your message and your service to those people. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's talk leadership for a quick sec, because I think that it is a critical piece of the pivot puzzle. And you're someone who I respect greatly and really admire as a leader, not only in the online business space, but as a woman in business and as a business person in general. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Of course. What have you learned about your own leadership during this time? I mean, we've talked about the pivots and some of the twists and turns and realizations that you've had, but through the lens of leadership and seeing you evolve as the CEO of your two businesses, what, what has kind of stood out as, um, as something you may not have recognized about yourself before? Gosh, that is such a great question. The first thing that's coming up for me right now is understanding that I am not a one woman show. And because I started as a solopreneur and have now led myself and my business into uh, there being more people involved as other than just me, my ability to um, be self-disciplined in such a way to make sure that I am also getting the other people on my team or the people who are doing work for my business, what they need, <laughs> as opposed to just leading myself and, and doing my own thing. That has been a massive learning curve for me. Mm. And it has not been easy. If I'm being <laughs> completely honest, I think you that do. I, you know, it, just like I mentioned leaving, you know, the corporate world, jumping into entrepreneurship, there was ignorance there. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. It was no different than when I recognized that my capacity to do what I'm doing was maxed, which meant that I needed to bring people on board, which meant that I needed to uh, bring more capital in to keep my profit where I wanted it to be. All of these things. I'm like, Oh, I'll just bring more people and they can do all the things that I don't want to do. Perfect. Great. Not that easy at all. It is such a process. It's almost like, um, and I was, I can say this cause I was an only child until I was like nine years old. So I know what it's like to be on my own. And all of a sudden someone else comes in and I'm like, hold on a second. What do you mean? You need something. <laughs> that. that, that's what it felt like. I was like the only child in my business. And all of a sudden I have siblings that are needing attention and are needing nourishment and are needing direction. And they're looking at me as the big sister so there's, there's been this period of immense growth uh, as a leader, as I start to scale my business that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And it kind of landed uh, in the first half of this year when I, my business really exploded and I'm, I need help. <laughs> I, need, I need more hands in, in here helping me hold all this up. 
I thought for sure, I'm like, oh, it's off my plate now. This is great. I can go just go focus on marketing and selling, which is what I love to do. Nope. <laughs> what my, I had to change everything I did as a leader. Mm-hmm. I had to change my entire schedule. <laughs> I had to um, practice patience, which is not a strong suit of mine naturally. Um, I had to practice slowing down in order to understand what other people needed from me. Um, and that really shook me. Um, but it's also something I've been incredibly grateful for because it has allowed other really awesome parts of me to shine because now I have the energy and the capacity to be able to do so because I allowed myself to go through that kind of tail tucking moment of, Oh my God, I, I am, I talk about leadership all the time. And now here I am being put through the ultimate leadership test of now, not just having to be responsible for leading myself and leading my clients, but now leading contractors and people on my team and other people that need my help um, or, or guidance to be so that they can do their job. That was a crazy shift. And I thought, Oh, I've, I've managed hundreds, thousands of people in my corporate career. This will be, this will be a piece of cake. Hmm. Whole other ball game when it is your own business. So I think that as a leader, um, recognizing that yes, past experiences are very helpful. And there's been a lot of transferable skills that I've been able to take from over a decade in corporate into what I do now, but the playing field is so different. And I've, I've really been humbled by this whole process of leadership and entrepreneurship versus leadership and corporate. Um, and recognizing that even though there were certain areas that I really, really shone with in, in corporate, um, didn't transit translate so smoothly over (laughs) to entrepreneurship. Um, so it's been a huge learning curve for me. I've been open to it though. And I think that that's, um, if, if I could give any advice on how to navigate that type of stuff as a leader, it's just be open to the fact that you're not always going to be as, you know, totally kick-ass at things as you think you are until Mm -hmm. you're given the opportunity to show up and prove it. And Mm -hmm. again, going back to my whole idea of be kind to yourself, please. (laughs) Uh, There were moments where I'm like, why is this so damn hard for you, Sarah? Like, what, how is it, how, how is this of all the things that you find a way to problem solve and manage and troubleshoot? Why is this so difficult for you. Um, and I had to practice a lot of compassion for myself as I, I, you know, re reimagined what leadership needed to look like for me and in my specific business and for the people that needed me to show up as a leader. And then the decisions you had to make, I mean, there are things that fundamentally are just not how you've done business before or led. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, deciding, just making decisions as a leader. I think that, um, I, I don't believe, I don't believe there's wrong decisions as a leader. I think that, like I said earlier, so long as we're trusting ourselves to make the decision, we're still benefiting, even if we make the wrong call, because we learn a whole lot going down the wrong path. And we also rule out something in the future that just doesn't work because we've tried it. We've tested it. It doesn't work. Uh, and we've maybe saved ourselves a, a bigger headache down the road. I think, especially for, for businesses right now that are maybe on the smaller scale, like what an opportunity to just dump, like jump in and, and start trying things, start making decisions, start being super courageous with your leadership. Um, because now as, as a smaller organization, such a beautiful opportunity to learn so that when you do get to that level where 
you know, you're, you really have a lot of stuff in your, in your space and you really have a lot of, you know, business coming in, massive revenue, tons of clients, customers, whatever the business looks like. You have so much experience because you decided to lead courageously in those early stages and allow yourself to not be so awesome at things <laughs> and to, you know, maybe have some egg on your face the odd time um, and be okay with that. Such an incredible lesson. So with last couple minutes here, I would like to, on the final topic of making decisions, do a rapid fire little game of would you rather quarantine edition. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. <laughs> so since you believe that there are no wrong decisions, it'll be oh, man. what you go with. Oh man. So, no overthinking. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Would you rather be stuck without toilet paper for a whole week or without toothpaste for a whole week? Toilet paper. Wow. <laughs> okay. Next one. Would you rather know how and be equipped to make your own hand sanitizer or your own wine? Wine. <laughs> okay. Last one. Would you rather be stuck in quarantine with Gary V, Arlene Dickinson, or Warren Buffett? <gasps> No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, going with my gut, going with my gut. Arlene. Ooh, I thought you were going to go with Gary. <laughs> no, because you know what? He doesn't say things that I don't like already say myself. I think I, I'd learn more from Arlene, so I'd pick her. I'm happy you did because there's a quote that I just, I, it's not even a quote really. It's a tweet that resonated with me so deeply today that she put out and it was, even the wrong path can get us to the right destination. There you go. Isn't that and, fitting? Oh, so good. It's just, you know, we might make mistakes. We might try things that didn't go exactly as we anticipated, but they may very well get us to where it is we intended to go. Absolutely. I always feel so lit up when I talk to you, Sarah. I have mm. no doubt that our listeners will feel the same. I want to know what the best way is for them to keep the flame burning and stay connected with you. Oh my gosh. Um, right now we are centering everything that I do around um, my private, my private brand business with Sarah. So businesssarah.com and I am Sarah Swain on Instagram. That is where I am at and hang out the most. Although I know I should be on LinkedIn. Your little voice is in my head all the time. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll get there. So all, all the LinkedIn people that listen, I'm there. I just don't do anything on it. <laughs> But there is a ton of valuable content on the daily, on Instagram, on Instagram stories. Um, what about the great Canadian woman? Where can we learn what's happening with that? Yeah. And actually we're linking it off of businesswithsarah.com just so it is easier for people to find me and all the things that I do. <laughs> um, but for now, yeah, we've got a website over there, greatcanadianwoman.ca, great Canadian woman on Instagram, great Canadian woman podcast. Uh, there's lots of exciting stuff happening over there. It's a beautiful community. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing parts of your story and some incredible insight with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I love having these conversations and I could probably go for another five hours. <laughs> I do know that. So I appreciate <laughs> that we're keeping it concise for listeners because I'm not sure a full, we'd have to turn that into a workshop. There we go. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and 
take inspired action.